Welcome back to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. We're doing our best of series here as we rebrand the podcast and also bring it all over to cruiseconsulting.com. This episode is with Brian Mullen of Twilio. Brian's the first business hire at Twilio, and they are having a humongous IPO. The company is super hot, and it's kind of fun to reflect back on what he was talking about about six months ago. So great company. Great business executive and Brian Mullen. He really built a lot of the infrastructure and a lot of business development at Twilio. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the One California podcast with Brian Mullen of Twilio today. Welcome, Brian. Nice, uh, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you can loosen up a little bit. You're yeah, hold very, on. Let me we just were... uh, undo my tie here, take my suit off. <laughs> so Brian is, we were just talking, I'm going to start just hitting record when people show up at the studio here because we always cover so much good stuff. Uh, I just found out Brian's actually the first business hire at Twilio. Yeah, pretty early days. I joined when we were about uh, 30 people, um, so way back many gray hairs ago uh, in January 2011. And um, we had just done our Series B and, you know, just uh, first BD hire uh, at Twilio. Well, you still have your hair. Even yeah, though the hair not, is here. It's not super gray. You're still, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. In a good, you're in a good position, <laughs> especially according, compared to me. Uh, so, dude, so tell me, this is super exciting because Twilio, we were just talking kind of off mic that Twilio was like the first company to really go after developers, like, right, as like a business model. Yeah. Like, t- tell me what caught your attention about Twilio. Like, why did you join? So, uh, at the time, I was actually... Uh, Working down in Los Angeles, I was, uh, I did some time, uh, about five years or so in Los Angeles. Not in jail. Yeah, Not in yeah jail. exactly. The, uh, probably the last person of all my family and friends who thought would move to LA, but uh, did that for a job and was, ended up being down there what I thought was going to be about a year or two was, was five years. And so my wife and I just had our first, uh, first kid. He's five now. So this was like late 2010. We we're looking to move back and had just moved back and I was ready to leave my, my other job. And so... Um, I was at a kind of wholesale telecommunication company, a 4G carrier called Clearwire. And um, anyway, I was looking around at jobs and I, I stumbled across uh, Twilio. Twilio is actually the first job I've ever had where I didn't know somebody. Oh, wow. And, like, oh, they just hired you cold? Like- so, and, and I kind of sought them out uh, once I realized what they were doing. And, and um, you know, it was, it was uh, kind of really solving some, uh, from a software perspective, solving uh, a lot of kind of, you know, problems for people that are looking to do, you know, communication. And, and at Clearwire, we had actually spent a, you know, a couple million dollars trying to solve this uh, kind of problem that I realized looking at Twilio, uh, if we knew about them, we probably could have done the whole thing for about 50 grand and <laughs> done it in about two weeks. And so, you know, uh, got in touch with them and, and was pretty interested to, uh, to get the conversation going. That's awesome. And so what was it like being like the first business hire? Was that like trippy or were you, were, did they shun you or was it no, okay? No, <laughs> I definitely was, uh, I had some gray hairs at the time. So uh, I kind of immediately gravitated to two of the other guys in this 30 person company that, you know, had kids and, uh, you know, were uh, kind of the old guard, but it was, uh, it, it was good. I think the timing is right. I mean, I've, I've always felt like with a role like business development, um, you know, you kind of have to pick the right time to come into a company. I think, um, sometimes if you're a bit too early, the product's not really ready, then, um, there's not a whole lot you can do to really be effective. And then conversely on the other end, you know, sometimes coming in a bit too late, it's, uh, it's a little bit too mature. Yeah. Maybe there's less yeah. room. There's like yeah. already a formula. So Twilio was, uh, Series B had just completed a Series B in 2010. Um, had about at the time, which seemed huge, was 20,000 developers. Uh, we're now at like 800,000 or something oh my like God. that. 800,000. 800, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. So back then, it that's got to be like second to Apple or something like that, right? Like I don't know. I don't know. It's it's large. It's definitely that's large, crazy. and it's been growing steadily since then. Uh, people just flocked to the platform. But yeah, I mean, I, I think we had. Uh, 
you know, a paying, one of the things that drew me to the company in the very beginning was here was this service, relatively small company. And unlike a lot of kind of, you know, popular Silicon Valley stories, here's this, this company that had a product that people have been paying for from day one. Yeah. There's value. Yeah. Yeah. So, so value associated with it. There was revenue, however small people were expecting to pay for the service. It really, it really like gave people a lot of value. It was also like, I remember, I mean, I remember talking to you like, Oh, like 2011 probably. And you're, I think you made a point to me where it was like usage-based pricing, which is the way to do it. But it was like you could see, oh, if a few of these blow up, we're gonna they're gonna have massive amounts of usage, and these are gonna be really big customers and really power our revenue. It was like that was a nice epiphany or insight you had there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, and I, I can't take credit for that. I mean, that was uh, kind of founders of the company realized that. And and when you have a, a software development platform like Twilio, I mean, really what we do is we have a we have a development platform APIs for developers to, you know, build communication, voice or yeah. messaging. Maybe explain um, what an API is for the non-technical. Ah, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, let me get my uh, Wikipedia hat on. Um, <laughs> But uh, really what an API is, it's an application programming interface. It allows people from, an, from their application that they're building to uh, basically kind of um, uh, control some other uh, you know, aspect of, of the application. So in this case, what we're doing is we're taking this world of you know, telecommunication, of voice calls. I mean, really like a point-to-point phone call from one phone to another. It's basically been doing the same thing since Alexander yeah. Graham yeah. Bell invented yeah. it, right? It's yep. point-to-point single calling. It's like the dumbest thing ever. Still. Yeah. When we, you know, when we call each other on our iPhones, that basic component is still the, just the, the same fundamental principle that, that Alexander Graham Bell was doing um, way back in the day. And so what, what Twilio is doing is uh, allowing that to be programmable. Um, and so we basically take the phone calls or the message flow into our platform based on the cloud. We're based on Amazon. And then provide APIs, tools for developers to basically tell us what to do with the call. Yep, yep. So, um, so all of a sudden you have this uh, kind of very, very basic thing, a phone call, which yeah. hasn't changed for 100 years, um, that is now able to kind of take in all the intelligence that some application can, can apply to. Yeah, it. So it's, it's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty amazing. And it's like people, developers can do a lot of interesting things with it. So like, I think Uber is one of your competitor, or, uh, clients, right? Like yeah, I'm I mean, getting those see- notifications from Uber that the car is getting close. That's all because Uber used the Twilio application to tell me that stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, if you go to our website, I mean, there's about 500 mentions of Uber and yeah. uh, all the various Twilio <laughs> well, things. I'm surprised, you showcase. I'm surprised you didn't downplay that one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that company's going to make it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the, the reason we talk about it so much, Airbnb is another one, is that these are services that are so widely used, kind of like... You know, really, when you th- when you think about explaining Twilio, um, what we always say is, uh, you know, chances are you probably use Twilio in some way, shape, or form, but didn't maybe oh, totally. didn't realize totally. it. So, in the Uber example, um, what they do is they provision a phone number uh, for the duration of your ride. So, you know, Scott's my driver; he's coming to pick me up. Um, I've summoned him through the Uber application, and he's taking a long time. So I hit call, and I say, "Hey, Scott, where are you?" Yep. Um, and so that whole interaction, that communication is handled by Twilio. Uber is a customer of ours and they use our API to basically match the driver and the rider um, with this uh, calling yeah. or messaging. Mechanism. And that's why it's always a different number, right? It's like, yep. you know, it's also kind of probably a safety thing too, but safety. So I'm not harassing the Uber yeah. drivers who cancel my ride yeah, five exactly. minutes into it. Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Safety. I mean, you get into these other kind of mega cities if you're cruising around in, you know, Johannesburg or Jakarta or something like that. They're, uh, 
uh, safety is a big deal. Oh, it's global too. Yeah, so there are 170 uh, cities worldwide. And so when we think about our platform, you know, much the same way that, you know, something like Skype or Google Voice has to work around the world, uh, Twilio under the hood has to go and, you know, have all these connections and make sure that the connectivity part of it works. That's largely my job. I have a team of folks around the team that, uh, that does that too. And so, um, you know, our job is to go and make sure that our product basically works in India and China yeah. and France. And Are you, like, it. calling on those telcos and just, like, is it? A lot of telco me- meetings, yeah. Yeah, what do you guys, <laughs> I can only, that, you probably do have a suit and tie on for Oh, those yeah, ones, I got yeah. it in the bottom of my bag, definitely. What do you do? You're like, hey, this is kind of the future. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you should use this, or is it? Well, it's, it's interesting. I'm sure I mean, they need, you, you guys are driving a lot of usage, probably, so they probably like you. Yeah, they do. And, uh, you know, I think the perception is, like, when you read TechCrunch and kind of the, the more, you know, technology focused, you know, publications, they're talking about Twilio as being a disruption disruption of this industry, um, which is true to a certain extent, but we're not like putting on vests and putting up radio towers, like yeah, we're a software yeah, company. Yeah. And so we very much rely on all the, um, all the global, you know, telecom partners in order to deliver that connectivity. So we're very much like dependent on them. Yeah, like, they're CapEx, right? Yeah. Like they're spending... They're investing a ton of money in those towers and you get yeah to and so we're it. what we're trying to do is provide an interface for a new set of applications interactions to, to work on top of that yeah. and it's a little bit different I mean you walk in a Vodafone um, if you're you know Skype or Facebook and it's like hey we want to connect with you direct connect they're like why the hell should I do that yeah, I mean yeah. you're just gonna slowly siphon away all my all my users yep. and so with Twilio we go in and it's a very different conversation the conversation is Look, um, we have these, you know, major brands, these, uh, you know, banks and airlines and, you know, startups as well that are building new interactions. This is net new traffic, net new communication yeah. that's occurring. Yeah. And we, we have an opportunity to hook it into your network. So um, for them, it's like one is net new, an area of growth in an area in yeah. a, an industry that's not yeah. growing. And then the other is a little bit of this like air of inevitability yeah it's kind of like yep. it's gonna happen anyway so do we want to well make some money on yeah. it yeah but i you know you and i are old enough we're we're in our late 30s we went to college together by the way go bears yep uh, i'm sure we'll have a segment on that later in the podcast but um <laughs> you and i are like old enough to remember when like the telco guys controlled everything and you if you were like gonna build a new application you had to like go meet with verizon or at&t and like beg them it was called, wasn't it like on, being on deck or something yeah, like that? Yeah, on the deck. I, I did both sides of that. Our early days, like I, my first company that was building mobile, that, that I worked for that was building mobile applications was in 2003. And so we did the, uh, this company, Kivera, we did location-based services. And 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, all those years were supposed to be the year of location yeah. when people, it finally <laughs> hits. <laughs> so I guess we were about, I don't know, seven to 10 years early. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, that was the way you did it. You know, my job was to go out and dis- quote unquote distribute and get carriage on, uh, you know, Verizon's deck and pay them a lot of money. Yeah. And they singular, I'll throw slow. that name out there, you know? Well, I remember that cause I was like working in venture capital and like we would see the burn rates of these companies that were trying to get on deck and, and work with the carriers and like nothing would happen for like five months. And we're like, yeah. Oh, that's a $5 million. It just got flushed down the toilet because the company couldn't get any traction because yeah. the carriers are so slow. And, and then, and then you're also beholden to some kind of, you know, middle manager who's yeah. like managing the deck. Yeah. And then when I went to Los Angeles, I joined a company that was an MVNO at the time, this company called Amped, which is another, another set of beers. MVNO is later. like what a virtual mobile operator or something. Yeah, it's like, like they rent when, someone else's mo- Boost Network. and Virgin Mobile, they yeah. essentially wholesale someone else's oh. network. And 
And uh, I think I think if I remember correctly, you can do a no comment on that. That company burned a little bit of cash. Like, Three seventy. Oh, <laughs> that's in that's in millions, folks. <laughs> that is, that's the. Uh, it was the a budget spec- of San Francisco for two years. Or spectacular something like that. rise and fall, and every when anyone that remembers that is like, "You were at Amped? What yeah. really happened?" There? I just my I just got really big when you said that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you're you like know, the food was just amazing, like the <laughs> company food and Our, we had this like this really really kind of uh, flamboyant uh, like news making CEO who would just uh, he, he was a crazy person. He flew around in a helicopter. People <laughs> thought that that was all on the company's dime. It wasn't, but it all just kind of made for a, a messy, messy yeah, ending. Not a very disciplined company. Probably. No, but my job there was to run all the content. And so to your point about being on deck, I mean, that that play that Amped had was really focused on you know, digital content, media, and this is pre-iPhone, pre-Android, so what we were doing was all this uh, kind of, you know, 3G video and games on your phone, and I was the guy who had to, like, go and do all these deals yeah, at the, yeah. with these uh, do, developers. Do you, like, wake up some days and be like, thank you, Steve Jobs, thank you, Apple, <laughs> like, uh, kind of like, a na- you know, the iPhone really changed your world, right? Yeah, totally. Like, it was. Uh, did you it recognize it when it happened, or what, were you just like, oh, this is interesting, or what, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was, I remember uh, the iPhone came out June, the same month that Amped went into chapter 11. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like this amazing juxtaposition. is like, okay, it, it is literally happening the end of one era and the beginning yeah, of another at the yeah, same time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. That's amazing, man. And then uh, just going back, because a lot of times people email me, actually, and they, they want to know more about the business models of the companies we're talking about. So you guys charge, like, basically, I don't even know. You, know, you don't have to give any secret information out here, but it's like a half a penny per phone call or something, something some tiny number some tiny dollar amount for every phone call, but there's just so many phone calls happening over the Twilio network that you make money, basically. Yeah, the, and, and it's a, it's a usage-based model, and, and it could be, what, what's really interesting, I think the, the success in terms of uh, developer community is, is that the same product and the same business model applies for the two guys in a garage building next startup, and they may be customers, and they might spend thirty dollars a month yep. with us. Yep. As Uber and some big customers spending, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions, right? And so um, the way that people uh, consume the product is they use their they use our APIs, and um, each application it may be a different mix. It has, uh, you know, fundamentally what the platform can do is allows you from an application to uh, provision a phone number, you know, one phone number or ten thousand numbers make or receive a voice call, send or receive a text message, and uh, whatever kind of mix of uh, usage you have, you pay for. So yeah. you have some price per number per month, and then you know some price per minute and per text message. Yeah. And then um, you know uh, each customer essentially kind of paying for whatever they use in that month. It feels like a very network effect business. Like, did, is that how you guys think about it? Like, if we get all the, it, maybe talk about this a little bit, but my very simple way of thinking is like, if we get most of the developers it becomes like the tractor beam for the rest of the developers because we can offer the best deal and everyone's already writing for it and our tools are the best. Is that like how you guys think about it? Yeah, in terms of you know creating a good cost structure and passing on that value to the to the uh, consumers, you know a lot of that has to do with volume and growth. And the more kind of customers you have, obviously, the better, the more flexibility you have there. Um, but I think focus is also an important thing. So. Um, you know, early on when people weren't fully uh, aware of like what Twilio was doing, it just was thought to be developer tools. Yeah. And really what we've always done is uh, maintain that we are a communications company. And so, you know, we're not doing location APIs, we're not doing billing APIs. We are completely focused on being uh, the uh, set of tools uh, for developers to use communication in their yeah. applications and services. Why not location though? It seems like it's such a, it makes so much sense. 
So, um, is it just there's no money in it? Another part of the developer experience is you have to really try to make it as uniform a developer experience as possible. And telecom is kind of a, you know, a funky thing. It requires yeah, a lot of yeah. like specialists, um, you know, specialization around the world, like to go make it work in Vietnam and UK and Spain or wherever. There's a lot of work, you know, guys, guys like, you know, on, on my team that are, that are putting those deals in place. But location is just even more fragmented than okay. that. It just doesn't work broadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense because the telco world is so old school, right? Especially yeah. probably internationally. Or maybe internationally is more modern than the United States. I don't know. Is it? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, you have their, they're kind of controlled by, uh, in some cases, they have restrictions on, you know, their geography. Maybe there's some sort of like regulatory restriction there. Yeah. It's just, it's uh, it's a lot of variables. And, yeah. and so that's part of the value that we, we provide to customers yeah. is, uh, you know, going out and solving those problems so they don't have to think about it. So when you joined Twilio, was there like a moment where you're like, like, oh, like you're working there and you're like, oh, this is going to work. Like that epiphany moment. Like I had that with Ben's friends. I was telling the story the other day where I saw a young woman uh, who had a surgery coming up and she was really nervous, couldn't sleep at two in the morning. And then a woman in Australia, before I could even do anything, comforted her. Yeah. It was like a really amazing moment. And this happened like seven years ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh. This is gonna. This is totally gonna work. Like, do you do you remember that moment for you? The, for Twilio? me, we had uh, we've we've had a few of these um, Twilio conferences now for a couple of years. The first one we did was in uh, 2011. It was held at the Bentley Reserve here in San Francisco. Whoa. It was like 500 people. That's classy. Yeah, yeah, very classy. <laughs> and since we've done it, it's become this big thing with you know 2,500 uh, attendees. But that that first year we did it. Um, I, you know, none of us really knew what to expect. And these people came from around the world wow. to, uh, to kind of, you know, see, you know, talk Twilio, talk about ideas, kind of all see the people who've been using it and they got these, to meet in person. And so for the first time, I, I mean, I was like, you know, seven, eight months into the job. Um, I saw, you know, firsthand all in one location, just like this, this real, real amazing connection between the developers and the company. Yeah. And, uh, and you realize like the approach. I mean, what, what Twilio does is it, it takes the world of communication and conforms it to the developer versus making the developer kind of learn all these arcane, yeah, you know, yeah. telecom, you know, technologies. And so if you're building in Ruby or Python or .NET, whatever, um, you have the full set of kind of call control, the Twilio capability in your language. So the idea is like, it's not that people weren't using uh, communication. I mean, they would use something else for communication. It's that they wouldn't do anything at all. Yeah. So all of a sudden you have the ability to add communication to your you know, customer experience, whether you're, whether you're like, that's such an awesome point. Cause like, it was just, it was bereft of that before. Now it's like so such a better experience for the consumers too. And it like this really positive cycle where everything gets better. Right. Right. There, there was this thing uh, with Airbnb. You might remember a, f a couple years ago, they had kind of the first major public incident where somebody trashed somebody's house yeah. on Airbnb. And I think it wasn't like some guy wrote about it was in New York and someone yeah, threw a like, rave or, or an orgy. Or yeah, it like threw that. like yeah. some insane yeah. party at somebody's apartment <laughs> in, in New York. Uh, so they went into this like whole kind of PR fire drill and, and they were a customer, but using us for a couple of kind of, you know, lesser known, um, you know, features. And what they did was actually add in the uh, ability to communicate with the guest and the host. Oh, wow. So that actually was, and they, and they built that using Twilio. I'm surprised so, that didn't, yeah, that's a So that was derived thing, right? from, yeah. here's, here's, they're trying to establish trust uh, in the same way that people, you know, think about, you know, they, they trust people on eBay, for example. Yeah, yeah. So a core, like, principle of trust is the ability to communicate with them. Yeah. And so Twilio being able to kind of be inserted into that and used but for that was, was pretty There's deep. two things about that. The first, just being able to communicate in general. 
but there's also something about hearing another human being's voice and like our little smell check, whatever the verbal part of that is, you're like, oh, this person doesn't mean me harm or this person isn't as mad as I think they might be or there's that's super powerful. It's like a primordial thing that you guys enable. Yeah, it it does bring down barriers. It does. It allows something else to occur uh, just because you have that voice or or even, you know, text is the same thing. Like you're you're texting with uh, what you perceive to be a you know, a, another kind of, you know, person on the other end of it. Yeah. It's not some, it, you're not just entering blindly in some website. It makes you realize it's another person. Yeah. You said something earlier. Well, this is the part of the off mic stuff. You're like, we were talking about Twilio and you had a really awesome observation. And you were basically, you were saying like, hey, we see, we see basically all these companies and we see the ones that are really taking off. And it's an amazing feeling to be working in Twilio. But you had a great observation about what that does to the Twilio employee base and what that means for the future. You mind talking about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, when you're a platform and, and a really broad one with a lot of use, you, you have this like inc- incredibly broad set of you know customers and use cases and problems that they're yeah. trying to solve. We, we see so this you, at Cruise Consulting too. It's like, I, I we have a portfolio of 165 clients now. I know like the hottest stuff. I know yeah. the hottest companies, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, and just kind of passes, uh, it, it kind of passes through the platform right yeah. in front of you. Um, so it, it's pretty interesting. And uh, the the employees at Twilio, which is now about 500 or so, really pay close attention to that. Um, and so I think what will probably happen is like, you know, this is an incredible group of, you know, uh, smart, talented people already. And then on top of that, they're exposed to all these different problems that people are out there trying to solve that maybe they didn't know about. Yeah. And so it, it just really gets kind of the creative juices flowing, I think. And uh, at some point in the future, there'll be like a, a pretty wide array, I think, of, you know, uh, pretty interesting startups and you know new businesses started by people that had some connection to Twilio. Yeah, you were saying it's like the the equivalent of the PayPal mafia in tech circles. That's like all the people who were worked at PayPal early on. They all ended up not all of them, but most of them ended up starting like amazing companies. And I, I my reply to you was like, no, it's it's cool they're seeing all these different ideas, but they're also seeing them be successful or some of them be successful. And so you you lose your fear. You're yeah. like, oh, I can you know if that dumbass can make something <laughs> like this yeah. work, I can do it. You yeah, there's there's a respect among people back and forth, but they're also uh, it also kind of makes it more accessible. You yeah. know, it feels more real. You're behind the the cloak or whatever, yeah, whatever the yeah, Wizard yeah. of Oz thing is. Um, <laughs> yeah, behind the curtain. Um, and so there's there's another thing too about I think about Twilio too, uh, in a platform company, particularly one that has like a a kind of technical product like ours is you know people ask us a lot about like you know there's this uh, terrific employee culture at Twilio and. And how have you guys kept that? Um, and our, our, our founder, our CEO, Jeff, is uh, really cares a lot about culture of the company and employees and kind of keeping that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been amazing from my perspective. Like, um, I just expected that when we got up to some, you know, three, four hundred people, the culture would change. But it hasn't. That's which is amazing. Impressive. And I, impressive. I, I, I certainly did not foresee that coming. Um, but then I as I think about it, um, you have this group of, you know, 500 people and probably two thirds of them are in some technical uh, job. You know, they're an engineer, they're a PM, they're technical support, a sales engineer, whatever. It's like this huge percentage of the company is effectively the same as our customer. Yeah. Right. And so there's this connection. They can totally relate. Yeah. There's this connection between the people that are like working on the product or selling it or marketing it or whatever. There's a connection between them and the actual customer. They're the same people. They're the same profile. And you talked earlier about like how the company waited a long time before hiring you, the first business hire. So there wasn't like the sales and marketing guys to get in there and like mess things up basically. (laughs) Yeah. Solidify. I talk about this a lot with our, the companies we work with, like solidify your culture. And a lot of companies come to us with this really hardcore like bootstrap culture, which I love. And I always tell them like, you raise a bunch of money now, but 
don't lose that. Like that culture is gold. That's like your a competitive advantage, actually. Yeah, it is. And the connection to the developer community is the thing that got Twilio really started. Yeah. And that's the thing that continues to make it a success yeah. today. It's, it's, it's thinking about the developer first, caring about them, help, helping them solve whatever problems in front yeah. of them. What's your, so this is tra transition. What's like, the, what's your, what are you excited about in the future for both Twilio and you? Like what's, what gets you out of bed in the morning now? Um, I, I get really charged up on um, entering new markets. So a lot of what I do is uh, the, my team being kind of an international business development team. Uh, we tend to be the kind of first boots on the ground in a lot of new that's, countries. That's cool. um, so last week I was in South America, did like a, you know, four cities in five days wow. trip down there. Next week I'm going to, to, uh, to Asia, including India. So, um, I love going in and kind of creating and helping enter new markets. Yeah. And, and that, that requires some set of like, you know, connectivity deals to get our product up and running. It's some set of kind of some uh, identifying some key like, you know, distributors or partners and then some customers as well. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I love the boots on the ground analogy because it's, there's something to be said for like, you're creating like that task force mentality on your team. Yeah. That's, re that's really good. That's good management. Yeah. And then, and then once we get in there, we have like, we get the product up and running. We're closely with our ops and product team. We get a, a couple of anchor customers, um, and then we get uh, kind of our, you know, what is the kind of you know market positioning for us? For it might be different in Brazil than it is in you know in yeah. Japan, right? Um, once we kind of have that set for a given country, then we can bring the, you know, you bring the to continue the analogy, bring, bring the, the troops. troops in, right? <laughs> and you bring in sales and marketing, and you know, spin up a, a kind lot of, of repeated effort. Nerdy troops, like coming <laughs> out of laptops, and track jack wearing, yeah. uh, track jacket wearing <laughs> troops. Dude, this is awesome. So let me, so I always, at the end of the podcast, I always ask five questions okay. and we'll get to that in one second, but I want to give you a platform to talk about your beloved golden bears <laughs> in 30 seconds. How does five, I'm going to try to get this to run before this weekend, hopefully. So then we can still say we're five and oh, how does it feel? Would I, uh, it, it feels good. It feels good, but, um, I'm reluctant. <laughs> I, 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 I We've feel all been hurt. right. We so when I, uh, my, my dad went to Berkeley, my brother did. Um, so we're like all old blues. And when I was 18, I uh, just finished high school. I was accepted into Cal and my dad like sat me down. He's like, Brian, I just want to welcome you to a <laughs> lifetime of heartbreak. <laughs> and he wasn't lying. He was not lying. Uh, so, uh, so there's this, uh, you know, this kind of like, you know, beaten, but, you know, beaten up, like kind of abused over time feeling that I think Cal fans have. Totally. Um, hopefully we can make it through this weekend in Salt yeah. Lake City. Yeah. Oh God. This is, this is, <laughs> this is a big one. Um, cool, man. This is a really good podcast. Thank you so much. Um, so I always end with five questions. So, uh, first one, like what's your favorite e-commerce site? And these are short answers. And this is, I, I liked asking these questions because it give, it's like, you know, it gives you a chance to kind of be who you are. Yeah. You know? uh, all right. Well, uh, embarrassingly, Zappos. I mean, I buy, we have two kids. I buy them little tiny kids, you know, Pumas all the time. I buy shoes for myself. And then I usually will get some for my wife because I don't want to have stuff show up that uh, doesn't have a gift for her in it. So I'm uh, embarrassingly addicted to Zappos. <laughs> <laughs> I have bought Zappos. I have bought shoes on the Zappos mobile app on BART. <laughs> and which like is be there in three hours kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. and then, uh, there's always like, do they get the Amazon ship? They like, do. We always day? have this morning. I walked out and there's two Zappos boxes. We always have like in flight two or three boxes <laughs> that are like awaiting return. You know, <laughs> I got a text from my wife right now. She was like, just return the Zappos. <laughs> uh, do you use that ship app? It's we use cause Vanessa, uh, my fiance and head of cruise consulting, she indulges in some package, you know, she buys things in e-commerce. Yeah. 
And we use that ship app all the time. You know what I'm talking about? No, it's no. S H S H Y P. Y-P. Yeah. Uh, it's like a, they come and pick it up, it's right? So it's cost you five dollars, and then whatever the you know all, when you buy something on Zappos or something like that, it's free. Return. Yeah, it's free. So it's five bucks. You don't have to go down to the post office. It's like the it's 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 like Twilly. It's like one of the greatest <laughs> inventions ever. It's amazing. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, content site? Content site. I basically use Twitter as a. Uh, as a link to all the stuff that I care about. So yeah. I follow like a lot of journalists. I follow a lot of stand-up yeah. uh, comics too. But I, I'm probably, I love the inside coverage of the teams I care about. So I probably read the most like Tim Kawakami, who's uh, like uh, San Jose Mercury yeah. News, but he's, he's like a little, local he's reporter. Feisty. <laughs> yeah, he just like, he's just a rabble rouser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I read him, he gets pretty good inside scoop on all the teams I care about. Um, favorite Spotify playlist? Uh, I'm Pandora. Um, and sorry, sorry, East Bay. Yeah, excuse me. East, East Bay, Bay represent. Uh, so I ran my uh, high school reunion this summer. Oh. 20th reunion, Until class 95. Right, yeah. and mine's mine's I, in two weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I created a uh, 1994 and 1995 playlist. Wow. Which I've since been listening to quite a bit, and my kids are into. They're like listening to Cypress Hill. Oh, that's and awesome. <laughs> so they're like, play Insane in the Brain. <laughs> <laughs> so my kids are going to school having listened to like, another one was like, Ar- there's R. Kelly song on that, and my kid's like, he's like, uh, hey, daddy, um, freaking and weekend rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> you're <laughs> like, like, like taking these lyrics. You're like, to don't school. read too much of the lyrics, son. Uh, <laughs> and my, my wife's from Oakland, so she's pretty big into uh, all the old E40 and East Bay hip hop. So if you send me the link to your station, yeah. I will put that in the podcast link. All right. I'll, I'll, everyone, everyone can listen to Brian Mullins' 1994 <laughs> 95 hip hop. Fourth, uh, fourth question was, oh, what, what do you indulge with? Like, what's your vice? Uh, so my wife's family has, which has become my tradition too, is uh, Manhattans. So Brandy Manhattans. And every time, we call them Manny's. Every time we came, uh, people come over, the f- we, everyone has like one or two Manny's before they start the night. So it's a kind of famous drink. We have pre-mades. So somebody will bring over like the pre-made uh, Manhattans, throw a lemon in and a uh, piece of ice and... It's great. I, I love Manhattan. I got a little crazy in the Don Draper craze a yeah. few years ago. And I got a little gra- aggressively ordered, I think, two or three in one night at a restaurant. And I had the worst hangover <laughs> of all time. So I, Try the Brandy Manhattan. It's that's better. That's a good yeah. tip. And I re- also realized I am not Don Draper. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that cool. Uh, Stay away from the old fashions. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was old fashions, not Manhattan. That's, that's the Don that's Draper. That's what it was. It was old fashions. Old fashions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Those will kill you in yes, the morning. Yes, it killed me. It killed yeah. me. Uh, last question. What's a company you admire? Like a big one or whatever you want, man. I uh, I had uh, maybe like a year ago. A year ago, we were um, I was with one of our sales guys and we went down. It, it was uh, so my answer is probably Tesla. But my my reason for for saying that is like one day I went on some sales calls with him. And we we it was like a time like traveling through time of Silicon Valley. So the morning meeting was with uh, eBay, and then the afternoon or like the midday meeting was with LinkedIn, and then the late afternoon meeting was was, was with. Tesla. met like so it's three, like three big companies and this is like in 2014 and just you see the evolution of like where where these companies are and, yeah. and kind of the comparison of like Tesla who's a, an example of really kind of the new way of doing things I mean they're a car company and they're basically a software company yep, yep. Um, the vibe in that walking into this you know car company was so similar to our own company it was it was shocking. that's a great observation that's yeah. really cool and uh, and then you know LinkedIn, terrific company, but they're they're kind of a little bit more you know mature and, and born out of a slightly different uh, generation. And then eBay was like the original generation. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty stale now. Yeah, it's funny. I think I've recorded this is my seventh podcast, and four of the people have said Tesla. It's top of mind, uh, I yeah, guess. It's but I also say the same thing, and I always point out like 
not only did he visualize like cars, but he visualized batteries and visualized solar because he started uh, uh, what a, what a source city. It's a pretty amazing guy. Do you see last night he started picking a fight with uh, yes. Apple? Yeah, saying Twitter. they're uh, yeah. picking up our fired engineers. Yeah, it was a great Twitter. This is I enjoy Twitter too, and it's for the. It's I'm not too proud to say that it's because of these like little things. Where, like Elon Musk is calling yeah. out Apple. Yeah, you know, and it's like. Oh, yeah. he's, he's got to create a new foil for his company. Yeah, they, I, that's one uh, very underrated uh, aspect of, of Twitter is it's uh, allowed us all to kind of go back to seventh grade and do some name calling. <laughs> like the, not get the most the important face. people, like world leaders, you know, business leaders are all kind of reverting to uh, seventh grade recess. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, well, cool, man. This has been really good. Maybe just tell the, the, the crew where you can find Twilio what you guys are about really quickly and, and we'll sign off. Yeah, so uh, Twilio, you can find us uh, twilio.com. For those people that are interested, once a year in the spring, we have a, a big event called Signal, uh, open everyone to come and join and check out. Myself, I'm on Twitter, at uh, BT Mulls. My full name was taken. <laughs> I, fo I follow you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for having me. And be, be very, be cautious following Brian this weekend when Cal's playing a football game. Yeah, I've decided to uh, eliminate Twitter and Instagram and Facebook <laughs> in the first 36 hours after a cow loss so that I don't say anything I regret. On that, we will end it. Thanks for coming on The One California, Brian. Appreciate Thanks. it.